time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Friday, December 4th, 2020. Happy Friday to everyone out there. It's only Friday Eve for me. I have another work day at FedEx. We're going six days a week there at FedEx as far as drivers go. Uh, just getting packages out to everyone who's making all those orders, making all those uh, Christmas purchases. Uh, we are ready and uh, ready to rock and roll there at FedEx. We are working hard for you, for the people. Uh, we're not, I'm not here to brag. We're just, we're just trying to get the gifts out to everybody. One of my favorite times of the year, Christmas. And I got to tell you right now, uh, just busy working, 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 working. So not a whole lot of time to do these podcasts. The intros and the different subject matters getting shorter and shorter, it seems. Uh, but I did want to chime in today, say hello before heading off to work, and just wish everyone a happy, happy Friday. Uh, the the month is uh, building, building momentum here. Before you know it, guys, it's going to be Christmas. I mean, it's already Christmas season, wonderful, most wonderful time of the year, as they say. Not the holiday season. It's the Christmas season. We're allowed to say that until it's been outlawed, uh, like so many other things in uh, well, California and the United States of America. But Merry Christmas to all out there. Uh, it is a, a few weeks left until the big day, however you celebrate or whatever you celebrate. Merry Christmas to you out there from the Get Home Safe podcast. Uh, we have a great guest on the program today, Chris Calderon. Uh, he's a former, actually a former player of mine. He, I coached him one year when he was in seventh grade. He's all grown up now. Uh, he is the third member of the Pro and Con podcast. Uh, I had Zach Stiver on uh, a few months ago, and then after their podcast came out, I had his co-host Javier Rodriguez on to talk about their podcast. And the Pro and Con podcast is a great name. I've loved listening to those guys. It's basically, you know, the, the Pro and Con. It's a great play on words. Uh, the progressive and the conservative kind of thing, kind of is is kind of the approach there. Two friends kind of arguing and just talking about everything, really sports, pop culture, current events. It's a really good podcast with just a couple of couple of dudes sitting around uh, like like we all would in a, in a living room or whatever. Well, Chris Calderon, he's the third member of the team. He's kind of the guy. He's like the narrator. I, I look at him almost like the referee at times. You know, he's in the middle of everything. Um, the, the moderator, if you will. And uh, he also has a segment on there called uh, Senior Lock, where he is Senior Locks. And basically, he talks about uh, picks, picks of games, sporting events, some of his thoughts. And, and he's going to tell us all about all of that today. So I'm looking forward to everyone hearing from Chris Calderon today, a.k.a. Senior Locks. And we'll talk about the podcast he is a big part of, the Pro and Con Pod, a little bit, which we've discussed uh, already, but uh, you know we, we we're definitely a fan of the Pro and Con podcast here. I, I like what they're doing over there. And uh, anyway, Chris, we're going to talk to him about the LA Rams, the LA Dodgers, uh, LA sports in general, and, and a lot of NFL. Giving him some uh, chance to to talk about the NFL. We're also going to talk to him about Rio Hondo Prep football. Yes, we could not go a month or so without talking about that. Um, I'm not sure Rio Hondo is going to have a season this year, which is unfortunate. Uh, but 
We will talk to Chris about his experience playing at Rio Hondo Prep and being the youngest of three Calderon sons who played football at Rio Hondo Prep. And I should say three uh, CIF champion brothers. So much like Taylor Dinius, who we had on a few months back or a few weeks, whatever it was, uh, we talked about kind of that family heritage and why it's special for uh, a fam- family members to uh, be so fired up and so proud of not just playing at Real Hondo Prep, but also having that family ties and everything. So a lot to talk about with Chris today. Um, I will give a few thoughts uh, Monday about all the action from the weekend as we go into another sports-filled weekend. I'm going to try to bring on more and more people to discuss maybe even a segment. Hey, let's talk five minutes about uh, your team or, Hey, let's talk 10 minutes about the entire NFL, whatever. Uh, That's kind of some ideas I have, but as you guys could tell, it's, it's hard to put people together uh, just for interviews at times, let alone, Hey, come, come talk with me about uh, stuff. That's not that important in the big scheme of things when so many other things are going on. Uh, But those are just some ideas. I think we'll bring Chris back at some point. Hey, give me your thoughts on the playoffs this weekend or uh, you know, the, the bowl games, if, if there are any, are any bowl games uh, or the fight this weekend. So uh, all kinds of good stuff there that I think Chris could contribute uh, to the show if we go to him or, and there's lots of other people like him. That, that I would love to talk to, get their opinions on uh, current events uh, with as far as sports go and maybe some predictions and everything. Predictions and recaps. That's kind of uh, what I like to do uh, on Mondays or would like to do on Mondays in, in moving forward. But for now, our format is still Monday's sports recap. Wednesday, Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in with the retired police officer and college baseball umpire. And then Fridays, we're doing uh, these long-form interviews with people from uh, – from my past or people that I I am introduced to people that I hope you find interesting out there. And that's kind of the format that we've been doing uh, the past few, uh, well, past month or so. We always on Fridays have a suds with studs segment where we talk about some heroes, uh, usually law enforcement or military personnel, maybe some medal of honor winners, just a brief, um, just a brief, brief conversation or a brief topic, not really too much in detail, um, today it's a group of people we're going to be talking about, not just one person individually. Uh, but if you have any suggestions for those suds with studs topics, be sure to send them my way. Shoot me an email, say, Hey, this would be a great person to talk about. Or I have a family member who was in the military. Here's some brief information, uh, law enforcement, whatever, any situation you think that, uh, would fit into that segment. Let me know. Uh, we've talked about people that I know we've talked about people from history, uh, just very brief. A topic really on our Suds with Studs uh, uh, segment that we do on Fridays. We call it Suds with Studs because these are people we'd love to sit down and have a beer with and uh, buy all the rounds, not just the first round. And I know it's a little corny, but that's what we came up with. Uh, Real quick before I talk about uh, with Chris Calderon and and go into our Suds with Studs segment, I did want to say that, you know, you ever been around people that they, they, they go out of their way to try to prove that they are not who they say they are, or they try to come across this. It's like they try to come across the exact opposite of who they are or like fight who they are. And and what I mean is basically the observation I've made over the past uh, few months is, you know, you are who you are until you prove otherwise. You know, people always say, Oh, that's not me. 
you know, a, a, an outburst or something in a game or whatever. And, oh, that's not me. You know, I technical foul, uh, whatever. That's not me. That's not who I am. Well, it is who you are because that's what happened. You know, people always tell me, oh, I'm not a bad guy or, or that people want to give you your resume, their resume. That's, that's really, that's really great too. Uh, and I, I guess I just, I just find it odd. I find it interesting that people don't realize that all of your actions matter at all times, at all times. And if you're going to defend who you are, I'm not giving specific situation, but if you're, if you're going to defend who you are, you better have some either credibility or some evidence to back it up. You can't just say, oh, well, that's, that's not who I am. Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> you are who you are until you prove otherwise. You know what? Uh, trying to think of a specific situation, but like uh, if you get three speeding tickets and you've only had a clean driving record for a month after that, well, that's not quite good enough. You still need to prove <laughs> that, that you are not a, a somebody who speeds and drives reckless. So that's just an example, but I see it every day and and maybe I'm studying people more now than I'm around more people out, out in the, uh, the, you know, the workforce and everything. But I see people who just like, they almost pretend to be someone they're not. It's like, dude, just embrace who you are. I, I fought this stuff for a long time. I was like, well, I want to be, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm a shy guy. I just naturally am not all the time, but I just kind of sit back and don't really uh, speak up too often or whatever, but some people are the exact opposite. They have to, they have to speak up. They have to say a word. They, they, again, I talked on uh, Wednesday about silence. Some people struggle with silence. It's nothing wrong with silence, man. Just cause there is no, nothing being said doesn't mean something has to be said. But anyway, I think you are who you are until you prove otherwise. You really are. We all have identities and maybe some of us struggle with identities, but I think, we just look in a mirror sometimes and be like, who, who is looking back at me? What am I? Who am I? I? I think if we just truly look for the answer, we'll find it. And I just hate, I hate fake tough guys, guys that come across are all tough, big, big and bad. And then, you know, they're all talk. Uh, that's kind of where I'm going, I guess, is that, you know, some people try to show you one thing, much like a play caller, show you deception, show you one thing and then do something else or be something else. And that's no fun. That's no fun at all. I mean, we need to be who we are. We need to embrace who we are, the things we love, the things we are uh, passionate about. And just, hey, that's who you are. That, it's hard to be somebody else. You know what I mean? It's really hard. It's hard to be something else when you either know nothing about it or uh, you know, you're going to struggle trying to identify or, or try to focus your attention somewhere else when you don't know anything about it. Or just struggle. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, enough out of me. Uh, let's move on. But anyway, that was my thought for today. Just uh, you are who you are until you prove otherwise. So let's move on. Enough. I'm sorry. It's, I haven't had enough coffee this morning. But anyway, let's get into our Suds with Studs segment. And then we'll jump right to the interview with Chris Calderon. I hope you guys will enjoy it. Happy Friday to everyone out there. And thank you for joining us today on the Get Home Safe podcast.
Well, guys, it's Friday, and that means a Suds with Studs segment that we do each and every week where we pay tribute to some heroes, some people who have done some incredibly um, courageous acts, whether it be one person, a group of people, uh, one specific situation, or kind of uh, a combination of a career worth of, uh, of uh, extraordinary acts and just uh, military service, police work, uh, firefighting, all kinds of these types of things. We've talked about a lot of Medal of Honor winners on Fridays, uh, and we always uh, say that if it were at all possible, these are people that we would love to sit down and have a beer with, and we would not just buy the first round, but all of the rounds, and that's why we call it Suds with Studs. So uh, today, guys, is Friday, December 4th, and coming up in a few days is a very important date. It's a date that a lot of people, I think, it just goes past them every year. And it occurred a long time ago, this specific date as far as the year goes. But December 7th, what does December 7th mean to you guys? To me, there's certain dates in history that all of us as Americans should know. And it troubles me when people don't know certain dates. When you hear a certain date... Something should pop up to you. You hear December 25th, you should think of Christmas. You hear October 31st, okay, Halloween. Okay, you hear July 4th, that's pretty self-explanatory. The Independence Day, right? The 4th of July. All right, but there's a few dates that stick out to me uh, that always jump out uh, as, just as far as importance goes. Some of the, you know, September 11th, 9-11 was a big one. I don't think anyone will ever forget that date. You know, we always say never forget. Well, there's one very important date coming up, and that is December 7th. And that is the day that Pearl Harbor was attacked back in 1941. As the president at the time, uh, Roosevelt, said, a date which will live in infamy. The United States Navy and military personnel were attacked at anchor by the Japanese in World War II, which started World War II for the, as far as the United States go. They were at anchor. It was early in the morning. Japan attacked the Hawaiian island and basically was trying to take out the United States fleet, Pacific fleet, take out as much of the aircraft carriers and battleships and destroy all these different ships on battleship row that uh, take, take them out and so that they could further their kind of expansion in the Pacific, knowing that the... Uh, United States was eventually going to get involved in World War II and the Pacific, everything that Japan was doing with their expansion at the time, uh, the U.S. was going to be a threat. There was uh, all kinds of non-combat things that occurred leading up to the battle. Uh, the United States was doing everything it could to not get involved uh, in, in a military conflict, but it also knew that it needed to prepare and, and get ready for it as it was approaching so uh, that they might not be able to stay neutral forever in this thing as Japan was kind of taking over um, the Pacific Theater and Germany was uh, pretty much uh, starting its uh, its uh, empire in the uh, Europe Europe theater. So uh, two for a war with two fronts. The United States eventually got into it. But I want you to think about a few things today as far as Pearl Harbor. We've seen some movies. Actually, the Pearl Harbor movie that uh, came out, I don't know, 20 years ago. I actually like it. It's a little corny with some of the romance and stuff. But 
I thought it was overall okay. I mean, not not great and not like terrible. Some people hated it. Um, but there was some other movies that have been made about uh, Pearl Harbor. Tora 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 is a really good one. That one really talks, uh, focuses a lot on the like Japanese side of things too, especially the buildup and everything. But I want to talk to you about some of the casualties lost at Pearl Harbor for the United States. Um, these are some numbers here that I'll run down quickly. And I, and I want you to think, we talk, we always say, oh, never forget, you know, never forget Pearl Harbor, never forget September 11th. And yeah, World War II is not still going on. I understand that. But this is such an important date because not only did it take, not only did, did were lives taken that day, as far as United the Americans, the American loss of life that day, but think about in years after that, the four years, three years that the United States was involved in World War II in the Pacific Theater and then eventually going to uh, Europe uh, in June 6th, 1944, which is another date that I think people need to remember that uh, when it comes across, we, we need to think about that uh, June 6th is the Normandy uh, invasion. But anyway, uh, December 7th, 1941, here are the casualties from the United States. Four battleships sunk, four battleships damaged, one ex-battleship sunk, one harbor tug sunk, Three cruisers damaged, three destroyers damaged, three other ships damaged, 188 aircraft destroyed, 159 aircraft damaged, 2,335 killed, 1,143 wounded. Four midget submarines sunk, one midget submarine grounded, 29 aircraft destroyed, uh, 74 aircraft damaged, 64 killed, one sailor captured. Uh, that was, of course, on the Japanese side of things. So uh, extremely heavy uh, losses on the American uh, side. And those uh, those uh, last four or five uh, numbers I mentioned there were from the uh, the Japanese side. So they, they had some losses, too. But as far as the the total for the American casualties, I mean, that that's a big number. Two thousand three hundred thirty five people killed. There's also sixty eight civilians killed uh, that were a part of that. Uh, 35 civilians also wounded. So a pretty horrific day. I mean, if you really, oh yeah, that was the day well, the Japan attacked Pearl Harbor. But you really sit back for a second and realize, wait a minute. I mean, almost as many people who were killed in 9-11 were killed that day. One day. And it's not like the attack went all day. The attack occurred just before 8 a.m. Uh, a lot of the military personnel were not even on the ships they were on the mainland or not on the mainland excuse me but on, uh, you know on the on the shore and people it was chaos it was mass chaos people thought it was a drill at first i mean it was it was about 7 hours uh, of japanese attacks on the us held philippines guam uh, wake island and the british empire in in malaya singapore and hong kong uh, that that's kind of what happened after they hit the U.S. They hit the U.S. and the Pacific Fleet uh, at anchor and crippled, nearly crippled us. Didn't quite cripple us, as, as you well know how things uh, turned out. But it was a Sunday morning just before 8 a.m. Um, I mean, I, I've seen, I've heard stories of, of service members setting out chairs uh, for church services that morning for kind of some chapel and these planes come out of nowhere and just rip apart the United States Navy. 
So pretty horrible stuff. Um, I don't want to be, you know, very, you know, uh, gloomy or anything like that uh, here on on Friday. But I do want us to think about our past, our history. I mean, I almost feel like there's an attack on history these days in some in some walks of life. And uh, these are things we do need to remember. You don't have to go watch a movie. You don't have to go read a book. But but again, remember the people that went through these things, the greatest generation, right? And for me, Pearl Harbor is not so much what happened that day, even though it was pretty horrible. But it really was the spark, unfortunately, that pushed Americans into World War II. And and it's kind of sad to look at it that way, but because so many thousands of more Americans would die in World War II in, in the the future battles, as well as other other people from other parts other parts of the world. The people in Europe, the people in the Pacific, civilians, not just soldiers. I mean, thousands uh, of people that died as a result, really, of what happened at Pearl Harbor, which is pretty horrible. And, uh, you know, World War II was not a pretty situation. It was it was not. It was pretty ugly. And um, Unfortunately, it was necessary for the United States to go in and rid the rid the world uh, of uh, of the Nazis and to um, push back the Japanese from their expansion at the time and, and what everything was happening. And it wasn't just Americans, you know, the British, Canada, uh, all of our allies who really helped rid the world of, of evil and push back and fight back. And it was a tremendous thing. America took such a big punch that day on December 7th. Got knocked down to the canvas, but you know what? America got up. They got up at that eight count. They finished the fight. They not only finished the fight, but they knocked out the opponent themselves. And I I, I look at December 7th that way. It was a horrible day for America. We lost so many people, but at the same time, it was like the beginning of a new fight. It was the beginning where America said, we're not taking this. We united, much like 9-11. You saw such a, a united country after 9-11. And it's so sad that it takes something so horrible to unite us at times. Um, the uh, quote, really, that I think people remember from the Pearl Harbor attacks was the Japanese Admiral Isoroku, Isoroku Yamamoto. Uh, he said after his attack, because uh, he orchestrated the attack, really, uh, he made mention that everyone's saying, oh, hey, we, hey, this was such a great success. This is wonderful. We did it. We did it. Uh, and his quote was, I fear all we have done is to awaken a sleeping giant and fill him with terrible resolve. I can't think of a better way to put it, I guess. It, again, I'm not, I'm not uh, trying to glamorize this event or anything like that. Uh, but I do think that moment in our history really did uh, send us in a direction that uh, was united, was positive, and was ready to fight. Americans have always been ready to fight. And at that time, we were very neutral. We were trying to stay out of this whole thing. Uh, but Japan at the, picked a fight, and America responded. And not only responded to Japan, but responded uh, to Germany joined the fight and was in it to win it. So uh, to all of those lost on December 7th, 1941, I can't believe next year will be the 80th anniversary of uh, 
Pearl Harbor. Pretty horrible stuff. But uh, 80 years ago, think think about 79 years ago this year, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy uh, to all those lost at Pearl Harbor and to those who survived. Uh, I salute you. Uh, you are people I would absolutely love to sit down and have a beer with and I would not just be buying the first round I know it'd be a lot of rounds uh, but I would gladly it would be my honor to uh, purchase every single round so uh, we salute you here from the Get Home Safe podcast on uh, our Suds with Studs segment and man there was something I read here that I wanted to share with you guys before we go it was something that really jumped out to me about all of the uh, awards that were given all the all of the awards that were earned that day as far as the conflict go i think i saw 15 medal of honors medal of honor awards uh that day that that were uh distinguished as far as the aftermath and everything let me here it is 15 medal of honors 51 navy crosses 53 silver stars four navy and marine corps medals and one distinguished flying cross four distinguished service crosses one distinguished service medal and three bronze star medals were awarded to american servicemen who distinguished themselves in combat at pearl harbor so i can honestly say that uh, when the chips were down in our one of our darkest moments in history there were plenty of people that rose up stood up and were ready for a fight and and just tremendous acts of courage Uh, everyone who was there that day those who survived those who did not we salute you from the get home safe podcast as we continue to talk about people such as you on our friday segment suds with studs Well, today we are joined by Chris Calderon. I had the privilege to coach Chris way back in his junior high days. Uh, He's doing big things now. Uh, He's a part of a podcast, the Pro and Con podcast with his uh, friends, Zach Stiver and Javier Rodriguez. Chris is, uh, well, I'm going to call him an expert uh, in uh, the NFL and uh, mostly the Los Angeles teams here in all sports. So uh, we're going to talk a lot about sports, a little bit about his RHP days, and, uh, you know, just overall catch up. It's been a long time. Chris Calderon, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. It's been, a, been in the works for a while now. Yes, it has. Glad I'm on. <laughs> yes, it has. We have a slight delay here uh, on our, our Zoom call, but uh, it's a work in progress, and we will uh, work, do with what we got. So, so Chris, or should I call you S- Senior Locks, Chris? I mean, I know that's your – your, your nickname on the podcast you do with Zach and Javier, the pro and con <laughs> podcast. We have, we've talked with both Zach and Javier about the podcast. Uh, you are the, the narrator of the introduction to the podcast. And you also are kind of that third voice in the room that kind of uh, gives some sniper shots from the rafters at times. So, so tell me what it's like being a part, being a part of the podcast now for, I'd say what a month or so. Yeah, just about a month. Uh, we dropped our 12th episode this past Thursday. I'm sorry, just past Wednesday. Um, I guess I just hung around Javi and Zach too much not to be a part of it. They <laughs> told me they, they've been they've been talking about for a few years now about they need to start a podcast. Just never got the ball rolling. And then finally, one day we're all hanging out. And Zach says, 
you know, let's do it. And <laughs> another another time, another day, another day. Uh, this is when during the about September, during the pandemic, Javier and I would work out at his place every day. And I showed up one day and I saw the setup in the living room. And I saw up like, oh, who's this third one for? And Zach's like, oh, this is where you're gonna sit. And we're gonna give you your own segment on the podcast every episode. I was like, oh, okay, let's do it. <laughs> I'm all in. Yeah, I got I, nothing else going on. Let's do it. I I like it. And as a rookie podcaster myself, you know that's one thing I've found is that uh, you just got to go for it. You can't worry too much about uh, maybe maybe. Uh, the, the slip ups in, in your speech or maybe the topics. I mean, things just naturally come. When I first started, I was like, oh man, I don't know how I'm going to talk. I, I don't like how I sound. What am I going to talk about? But you just get a, this comfort level. And again, you just dive in, you dive in, learn how to swim. And, and I got to tell you, Chris, from uh, the episodes I've heard, you, Zach and Javier, there's great cohesiveness. You guys can tell your friends, uh, but at the same time, you guys bounce around to some good topics and I like the fact, I told Javier this, I love the theme, the pro and con, right? Zach and Javier, uh, difference of opinion on some topics. But I love that. I love that people can have difference of opinions and have conversations. And then you're like, a, you know, me being a referee umpire guy, you're, you're like that, the moderator almost. You're the guy in between who kind of keeps everybody sane. Do you like kind of your role on the podcast being in between them? Oh, yeah, I love my role. Uh, if just had those, if you just had those two guys going back and forth, this it'll, it'll be a four-hour episode every week, <laughs> which uh, you don't want. But no. yeah, uh, the uh, cohesiveness. All of us just hang out, you know. Just talking. In, the only difference is we're talking into a mic. That's it. If you, you know, if you come if, if you come over if you come over to these guys' house on a random Saturday afternoon, we're all watching TV, watching football, whatever. All talking about the same things. Just the only difference is we're not recording. <laughs> yeah, I can totally relate to that. It, it's really, I've I've asked a few people, hey, let's come come on the podcast, and they're like, well, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to? What's the outline? What are the questions? I'm like, dude, it's just a conversation. Like, I can give you a kind of an outline, but generally things come up in conversation, just like they they do when you're again sitting on the couch or whatever. So uh, I, I like your format. You guys are organized but it's not too strict it's like you guys bounce around to different topics uh but one segment on the on the podcast that i really like is uh senior locks and that is your segment hmm. where you come in with some gambling picks uh sports and whether you're a gambler or not sports is uh that is something that is uh, tied into sports especially football and you kind of throw out some parlays and things uh, that are interesting for, for people to, uh, to listen to. So where did you kind of get that uh, idea to be senior locks and kind of, have you always had kind of an interest really in like gambling picks and everything? My interest in gambling started, I want to say probably right after high school, just another aspect of the game to watch. Because sometimes you just watch two teams go at it. Your team's winning by 45 points. There's not much intrigue into it. But you try to you add up both teams' totals and throw in the spread in there. It's just something else to watch. Yeah, definitely. definitely. That's, that would pique my interest into it. Now, did you come to Zach and Javier with the 
idea or did they kind of come up with it as a way for you to be a part of the show, knowing that you were kind of uh, this voice regarding uh, gambling picks and everything? Oh, they came to me about it. <laughs> just like that that one day just like that well one day i go over and they have a whole studio set up like oh by the way yeah this is what this is what your segment's gonna be because i always talk about it too like we're watching the game like oh like javier and i were just watching the game a college basketball game uh not too long ago i think it was i don't remember the teams but i know it was like a 10 point difference i think the last minute and a half i just look at Javi like well here comes the fun part let's look at the spread let's look at the totals <laughs> The last thing we know, uh, who was it? The team threw up a three-pointer at the end, and they hit the over by one point. <laughs> they just ruined some that's, guys. That's that's. They ruined some guys' yeah. co- uh, well, daughter's well, college fund. But <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Sorry, kids. There's no Christmas this year because Villanova did not hit the under. Sorry. <laughs> You know, uh, that's one of the things I like. I don't, I don't, I don't like losing money and there's other reasons too. I don't really gamble, but like what I do like, uh, what is it? Bad beats on ESPN, Scott Van Pelt. And he talks about gambling picks and and like brutal losses and things. Oh, it's so funny to, to watch and to listen to uh, because, because we've seen crazy endings to game. And a lot of times uh, the things that happen have nothing to do with the outcome of the game, which is even more hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's what keeps you watching a 40 point blowout. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> and, and exactly. Yeah. And, and there's an argument to be made about fantasy sports uh, fans who I, I can't stand fantasy sports. I hate it. Uh, I know it's popular, but for me, I just, I, I despise it because I'm at, I'm at work. I'm surrounded by people who love fantasy sports. They always talk about, Oh, how many catches does uh, Chris Godwin have? Or how many, how many yards passing does uh, Lamar Jackson? I'm like, Dude, that doesn't matter. This it's 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 a seventeen fourteen ball game going to the fourth quarter. That's that's what matters to me. So uh, maybe I'm yeah. old school. What what are your thoughts on fantasy sports? Uh, I played fantasy football uh, the past couple of years. I we actually have a league with all of our guys from our high school graduating class. Oh wow! That was a way. That was that was an idea. Javier and our Javier and I had last year to just keep in touch with everybody. But uh, we've been doing that league the last couple of years. Uh, but in, before that, I really, really never got into fantasy football. Yeah. It was never, it really never intrigued me. <laughs> I think, I remember, I remember with my brother, I think it was in middle school, we played fantasy baseball. That is a pain in the ass to deal with for a whole year. Commitment. S- yes. Setting a lineup every day. Luckily, that's, I drafted a rookie rookie named Dustin Pedroia who that's how long ago was who actually did pretty well for me and I won the league that year but never never again played fantasy baseball and fantasy <laughs> football right now I don't know if I'll play again next year but it's just something else to do yeah there you go something else to do indeed um well well I, I like this segment senior locks did you come up with that name I did yeah. I had to give myself some name instead of just saying, you know, here's Chris with his gambling picks. Yeah. No, I, I, I like some it. type of, uh, some type of online persona. <laughs> I, I, I do got to give you this, Chris, uh, unfortunately a little jab at you. Uh, I am glad that I have not been listening to your picks. If again, if I was a gambler, <laughs> which I'm not, uh, because I, I believe in you every week, I believe in you in, in everything you're saying, 
But unfortunately, I think you and a lot of people are seeing how hard it is to make some of these predictions because not too many of your picks have been locks, Chris. That is true. The parlays, <laughs> I have yet to, <laughs> I have yet to been right on a parlay this year. The locks have been doing a little better. I'm, a, I'm a winning record with the locks. Being a little scared right now. I think I've lost about two in a row, back to back weeks in the locks. Well, uh, but I wish you nothing. As I but say, the as I say in the show, <laughs> thank you. Like as I say in the show, there's nothing else we could do but look forward. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. <laughs> Well, I, I really like the podcast, um, Zach and Javi, very, very fluid. And then, and then you're in there um, just kind of giving your two cents here and there. I, I think it's a really good format. I think you guys uh, need to keep it going. Uh, I don't know. Are you guys getting some feedback from uh, listeners or from some fans who are tuning in? Is it, does it seem to be – the podcast seem to be growing at least? Oh, yeah, it's definitely growing. Uh, luckily, we have – all of us have a huge support system behind us. So all of our friends are following all of our social media accounts, uh, downloading and listening to every episode on whatever streaming platform they use. And I think we just passed, before this past episode, so maybe about two weeks ago, after episode 11, we just passed a, a total of 1,500 downloads. Love it. So that's, that's, a one, that's one milestone for us. The only thing we can do, just do is keep our nose to the grindstone and just keep doing it. Yeah. Oh, that's all it is, man. I, it's, I, it's, yeah. It, it, it's, I, it's still fun for us. So we're 12 episodes in. It's still fun for us just hanging out, talking, chewing the shit over a mic, you know? Yeah, th that's all it is, dude. And, and I honestly, I, I was during the pandemic or the lockdown. So I, I was able to just kind of put all this time in and learn as I go. And uh, yeah, that's all you do. You just keep, keep going and keep recording. I did like the segment you guys did recently with the Thanksgiving where you guys did like the phone calls to uh to uh, people and it was, li it was live i guess uh i thought that was pretty cool i might have to ask you guys how to do that it was pretty neat yeah yeah <laughs> we wanted to do well zach was going out of town this this weekend so we couldn't do anything on our usual recording days of uh when tuesday or wednesday so we just want to do something different this week uh just call a couple people ask them what they're thankful for not talk politics, really talk a little pop culture, talk a little sports, just calling our friends, ask them what they're thankful for and just other various questions regarding Thanksgiving. Amen. But well, yeah, those, I, yeah, I think most of those people, uh, I don't think they're giving it either. <laughs> As you can <laughs> tell by their reactions on the episode, like, Oh, am I on? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Sometimes people are a little hesitant to get on. You just have to be like, Hey, yep, here we go. <laughs> so really cool. Uh, well, all the best with the podcast yep, uh, yep. To, to the listeners out there the pro and con podcast, really good stuff from uh, Zach Stiver and Javier Rodriguez. And of course, senior locks himself, Chris Calderon uh, being in the mix with everything, um, <laughs> pop culture, politics, sports, just, just three guys sitting around, uh, being guys talking about anything. So I really like it. Three, three RHP graduates uh, doing, doing a great things. Um, Chris, let's go back a little bit before we kind of dive into sports. Let's talk about your early days in Cary youth league, Rio Hondo prep. Um, you were a proud member of the Covina tigers as a kid. And you have uh, two brothers, uh, older brothers, JR and Gallo. Uh, you have a sister, 
as well. They all went through the program. Tell me about your first experiences in Cary Youth League as a member of the Tigers and was just was it uh, how did you join? What did you join only because your brothers were in? Tell me about the, the beginning of your Cary Youth League journey. My family has been involved with Cary Youth League for 30 plus years. So I don't know if I really had a choice on joining or not. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being five years old and my mom uh, walking me to Russell Park, not walking me, but you know. Mm-hmm. From the parking lot, from that long walk from the parking lot to the fields, signing me up for a tackle football at five years old, and that's where it all started. Started with the Tigers. First coach was Jim Davis. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. First and- coach, yep, started and and was through the program all the way through sixth grade, and then went to Rio Hondo, and then went on from there. Very nice. And, uh, you know, the Tigers, man, uh, well, not so much in my years, but in general, the Tigers had some good teams. I'm sure you guys were very successful. Who else were some of the coaches uh, in your time with the Tigers? Because what is that, kindergarten through fifth grade? What is that, uh, six years, perhaps? Uh, Who were some of the coaches, really, alongside of Jim Davis? Did any really stick out to you over those years? The two main coaches I had during that time were Jim Davis and uh, Dave Reed. Oh, he was my coach for a little bit, but only after, yeah, after I want to say after fourth grade for me. So this is like 2004. Uh, the Tigers switched to the. That's when the team name switch. I was a Buccaneer, <laughs> and uh, with those teams, my coach was a. Yeah, my coach is Kyle Corral, who is like one of my oldest brother's best friends. So it was like basically, and he was around the family a lot. So it was basically being coached by another brother, which was pretty cool, pretty fun. That is uh, that is very awesome. Uh, yeah, your older brother Gallo, or excuse me, well, yeah, your older brother Gallo, but Jr., your oldest uh, brother and Kyle were classmates. Uh, I had the opportunity to kind of tag along and play with those guys my sophomore year, their senior year in the playoffs, you know, come up, you come up, you just suit up for the playoffs, maybe get in a play or two uh, during the games. Uh, Pretty intense guys, two great guys. I mean, uh, do you remember kind of those, those years watching your oldest brother play real Hondo prep football? And was there kind of this, this, uh, I know your, your dad uh, very much into the football program and, I mean, was, was there a sense of pride seeing your oldest brother out there playing for Real Hondo Prep in uh, multiple CIF championships and everything? I remember his the CIF championship his senior year. So that was probably 2000. November, early December of 2000. Yeah. So I vaguely remember him playing. I do remember uh, after they won the finals uh, – <laughs> Basically, the whole high school came back here to our house, and there was a party at the house. I remember that more than the actual game. Just, well, it yeah. was a good night. It was a good night. I don't know if you were there. You probably were. Yeah. Yeah. You were I probably there, I too. I don't know, but I just remember, yeah. And just the football, for the actual game ball, just getting tossed around by everyone in the, around the house. It's actually pretty cool to see. <laughs> I do remember that. I do remember it was. Uh, I was a sophomore, like I said, and <laughs> – just kind of tagged along. Yeah, the Calderon house for the post-game party. Um, the next year, I was a junior. 
Uh, we won CAF again in the eight-man, final eight-man era. Your brother Gallo uh, was on the team with us, came up for the playoffs with those other sophomores. So uh, pretty cool to see the Calderon family, a part of two championships. And, and then, Chris, you, uh, you had the, uh, well, I would say, opportunity. You guys earned it. I mean, you were on a, a championship team at Rio as well in uh, 2011, um, one of the more recent 11-man championships. So what did it mean to kind of be the third member of your family to be on a CIF championship football team? I mean, your dad has to be extremely proud of that as well, but what did it mean to kind of be the third and final uh, uh, Calderon son to uh, be on a team like that? At the moment, it was everything. Just try and get a ring, just like my older brothers did. That was that was my my goal getting into my senior year, and leading up to the week of that championship game. It was that's all I could think about. Just win one, just win this one, so you could be the third brother. You can get your name on a banner, just like your older two brothers. Get a championship ring, you so you can put on display with your older brothers, and you know put your football helmet on the on display in the living room here like my two older brothers did as okay. a CIF champion. That was, that was the main goal for me. And watching them win was just inspiration, uh, motivation, definitely leading into my senior year. I believe it was the Pasadena Star News was doing a little, um, a story of leading up to the finals that week. The CIF finals in 2011. Uh, how like the whole family heritage of Rio Hondo Prep and then luckily, now the guy, I forget who the, who the author was of the, the writer was at the time, but he talked to me for a little bit and just wanted to mention, you know, you're your brother. <laughs> if you win it, like, how do you feel? I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is what I came here to do. Just want to win and get my name on a banner, add it to the legacy of this great football program, and then my, make my parents proud. <laughs> So, Chris, you mentioned that there's three helmets in your dad's living room, uh, the three Rio Hondo prep helmets from your brother, uh, your, both your brothers, Gallo and JR, and yours. Uh, did you really mean your actual helmets from when your playing days are in your dad's living room? Yeah, all three of our helmets. My two older brothers, their helmets look the same because uh, Rio didn't make any changes for a while. But going into my sophomore year, I believe, that's when we uh, – Got black helmets. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we got three helmets from uh, three CIF champs right there. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, I do like the black helmets. I, I'm a very traditionalist. I like the Rio uniforms forever. The white helmets, that crush, it just shines out a little bit. But there's something about the black, the black hats, the black helmets that really – I think fit the program well. Uh, I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, I could just picture it, uh, the three helmets there. That's pretty cool. And then you told me off the air, you don't just have uh, helmets. You, you also have uh, another piece of uh, merchandise, really, as far as RHP history goes, that your dad, your parents bid it on and, uh, and got it at an auction? Yeah, the 1998 and 2000. See, you have banners are at the house upstairs. <laughs> I think I think what the the backstory was with that was um, when they tore down the pavilion, they wanted to get a new banners because they were all honestly they were all pretty old looking. Mm-hmm. So once they did that, I think 
I think the idea came from the school is they wanted to make a little money, to, you know, throw back into the school. So they put them up for auction. Man. And, and is- my parents, yeah, they won the bid on two banners are sitting upstairs right now. That's <laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> that is pretty cool. I wish I would have had some money saved up. I would have paid any amount to have that that banner hanging on my wall somewhere. Because every time I go down to Rio now, I always look up and see the banners of uh, all the different teams and look at the different names. And so many memories pop up when you see those banners. So to have that uh, in your house, in your dad's house, <laughs> that's pretty awesome, man. Oh, the Calderon family. Good stuff. Yeah. I remember your dad after a game. And whoever, you know, whoever has been... And anyone who's ever been in our house knows, like, the living room is, like, it's a little sports bar. So it's pretty cool little addition. I love it. I love we gotta, it. We definitely got to put them up for display. Oh, dude, absolutely. We'll have to get some pictures and stuff. Uh, I, I like – I remember your, your, your house there. That was pretty awesome. And I love when people are fans of an NFL team or a college team. But when you remember and pay heritage to really the high school program, I, I think that's pretty cool because – Again, the three sons went through the program, and uh, th- that's really special stuff. I remember your dad after a game. He was talking with my dad, and um, you know, this is after Jr. had already won a championship, and I think it was my junior year, and it was a playoff game. And uh, your dad, I, was, I remember, I don't know why I remember these things. He was chatting with my dad as I was leaving the locker room, and he just said, "Hey, Matt, hey, nice blitz," because I had a, a blitz in the play, and I during, during the game and had a, had a sack or something. Uh, but I remember you, I don't know. It was just, it was a simple uh, compliment from your dad, but it's something I always remember uh, all these years later. So the Calderon family, <laughs> great football family, uh, very cool stuff. Uh, and again, it, it's awesome that you were part of, uh, you all were part of CIF championships. That is uh, incredible stuff. Do you guys still follow the program? Either, you know, you or does your, your dad ever get to games? You said JR lives in Colorado now. So do the sons kind of, Tune in every now and then to see how the, the cares are doing. Uh, I know my brothers will look online to see how the team's doing or look on social media. I know uh, recently, uh, Mr. Bray, Robert Bray, who recorded, I'm pretty sure he recorded some of your games too, my brother's games and my own games, uh, got those archives up on the uh, Real Honda website. Gotta so they're it. able to watch their own highlights a little bit. But my for myself, I did go to a game, I want to say, it was a playoff game in 2019. Mm-hmm. Me and Javier and a couple other guys in our graduating class just, I think Zach, Zach Stiver actually was able to get us uh, sideline passes for a playoff game. Nice. At the new Care Park in Irwindale. What do you think of the, yeah, uh, the so Care Park? Yeah, so we just showed up, th- watched. Uh, I like it. I remember it was the big selling point when we were in school is that we were going to play there, but that, you know, stuff always happens with construction. There's nothing, a lot of stuff out of your own control. Yeah. Would have loved to play there. It looks beautiful, but there's nothing better than, you know, playing on field one at Rio Hondo where my <laughs> old brothers played, yeah. winning a championship on that field, just a lot of memories on that field. Yeah. And, and it's cool that I believe all three championships, uh, the Calderon family, what they were all on that field, as you mentioned. So care field, man, it's tough to beat, but you know what? If they got to play somewhere else, care park's not a bad alternative. It's pretty nice. Oh, it's not. It's beautiful there. Well, very cool. Uh, well, well, Chris, can, it's, isn't it hard to believe? I mean, you graduated in 2012 and isn't it hard to believe that it's been eight years since high school? <laughs> Don't remind me. Jeez. <laughs> 
yeah, we were just talking about that not too long ago. That we're almost up to our ten-year uh, reunion. Yeah. Well, my 20 years coming in a couple of years here. It's hard to believe <laughs> everything, everything I've been through everything. It just, it all feels like yesterday still. Everything feels like, Oh, maybe two years ago. Uh, but you see time flies as you get older and I'm just like, man, this is crazy, but it's still fun to go down memory road a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely is. Definitely <laughs> is a lot of good memories still. Yeah. And- summer, summer trips to just sitting around waiting for a game to start hanging yeah. out in the locker room, you know? Oh Yeah. Well, well, one thing we didn't cover was, you know, in junior high, it was just one year, but for when you and uh, Javi were in seventh grade, uh, you guys had this crazy junior high coach. Uh, his name was Matt Hersema, uh, a little bit of a lunatic, uh, but that was my final year of coaching was working with you guys in the eighth grade class above you. Uh, I had so many fond memories of, of your group and just so many fun times, but uh, do, do, you, do you remember much about your junior high days? Oh, yeah. I love playing football in junior high. We were uh, eight men. So yeah. we were putting up. That was like, uh, if you were gambling on those games back then, definitely take the over. Because <laughs> all, all it took was blocking one guy on the edge and you had a touchdown. Yeah. But, yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, we did have a, a bit of a psycho at defensive coordinator. Not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a, I was always a competitive person. And then when I got into coaching – I don't know. There's a side of me that came out. I'm, I'm kind of quiet generally, but man, coaching defense was so much fun. It was all about energy and, you know, just causing chaos and uh, fundamentals yeah. and stuff too. But I, yeah, I loved coaching defense. And did you prefer the offensive or defensive side of the ball? Uh, I played more in junior high. I probably played both, but I guess defense just uh-huh. as you had more, especially as a lineman had more free range to just get after the quarterback. That was it. Yeah. Oh, man, so much fun. Yeah. You guys had a great group. Javier, uh, Steve Smith, uh, Dave Drain, all those guys. It was tough. It was tough leaving you guys uh, after your seventh grade year. But, uh, you know, uh, life, life moves on. Sometimes you got to go, go into other things. And uh, uh, I was really glad to see you guys grow up uh, to be, become uh, the great young man that you are. I have great success at Real Hondo Prep on the varsity side of things. and uh, But d- definitely some good memories. Definitely some fond memories uh, with your class, Chris. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> well, well, let's, let's put your, your senior locks hat on, if you will, here. Let's, let's talk about some NFL, maybe some college football, just, just overall sports in this COVID era we're in. Let me ask you that first, as far as all the sports go. Uh, for months, we didn't have anything. And then for a few months, we had literally everything. What yeah. are your overall thoughts on just sports in this COVID era we've been in for eight months or whatever in 2020? Well, I never realized how much I love sports until they were taken away from me. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely something to watch uh, every night, especially with baseball, basketball, hockey on. doesn't matter who's playing. I'll just turn on whatever. But it was definitely a, a shock to the system. Especially in, uh, when did everything happen? In March. Yeah. In March, everything gets shut down. Like in basketball. Baseball is just starting up. Basketball and hockey are getting into their final stretches and bleeding into the summers. Training camp starts for football, college, NFL. Everything just came to a halt. Definitely had nothing to do during that time. And, yeah, I just got, uh, got I don't know what call it, laid off from work. Yeah, because I worked at a, I work at a gym, so once that got shut down, I was like, 
nothing really else to do. So sitting at home a lot, watching a lot of uh, replays. I think I watched Game Six of the 2011 World Series about 50 times. The Cardinals <laughs> and the Cardinals and the Rangers on MLB Network. If you haven't watched it, that is a crazy game. One of the best games ever. Yeah, uh, the thing that always sticks out in my mind is Joe Buck. We'll see you tomorrow night. Yes. And I know that's an homage to his father from uh, World Series. He called back in the 90s. I think it was Kirby Puckett home run, Puckett. if I remember correctly. Kirby Puckett. That's right. Yeah. And I just read I just read Joe Buck's book right now. So just finished it. So that's stuck in my mind. Well, well let me ask you why you mentioned that. Uh, what are your honest thoughts of Joe Buck? Uh, you've read his book, so you have some more insight to us. But you're like any other sports fan. You listen uh, to him. Uh, in football and baseball, I think a lot of Dodger fans kind of don't like him for like being a homer or a Dodger hater. I don't know. I think he's been okay. Sometimes he's annoying. I'm kind of a middle of the road guy with him. What are your thoughts on Joe Buck? I actually like him. I've always liked him. Uh, growing up, he really didn't do a lot of Dodger or Ram games. So I didn't hear his voice a lot because, you know, Dodgers were somewhat mediocre and the Rams sucked. Like you were, the, Joe Buck was never ever going to do a Rams game ten years ago. But uh, I liked him before, and then I started listening to a few of his interviews on various podcasts that I listened to, and you know, he's a cool guy, fun guy. Definitely uh, has a cool uh, share the same type of sense of humor. Definitely can make fun of himself, which I like. Someone that's real. <laughs> yeah, I but, think he's yeah. been pretty good. He, he he's. Yeah. Yeah, you hear his voice and you know the game is important. You know, yeah, that's what I always felt I mean, too. That you hear Joe Buck calling your game, then you know it's a big deal. Yeah, big time, big time. And I and I like uh, I like him in the World Series. Uh, I did not like him with uh, Tim McCarver. Some people love McCarver. I wasn't a huge fan, uh, but I think yeah, Joe Buck doing postseason baseball, and of course big NFL games on Sundays or Thursdays now. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely. His his voice gives you gives you the feel of a big game. So interesting. I'll have to uh, maybe borrow that book from you sometime. Um, well, 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 let me ask. Yeah, sports in this COVID era, we didn't have anything for much. You know what I did, Chris? I watched almost every single ESPN thirty for thirty those documentaries on sports. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what what better time to go through all those? So because uh, I was like replays, I already know what happened. Although I did watch a few games from like the sixties and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, that was pretty neat. Uh, but anyway, sports is back now. We got back everything at once. It seemed like uh, NBA, Major League Baseball, uh, hockey, hockey playoffs were awesome. And then right yes, after all, oh my goodness, how good it was amazing. I thought, honestly, the hockey playoffs are always probably the best. But I thought with this whole bubble thing, I thought the hockey playoffs uh, were phenomenal. I found myself watching four or five hockey games in a day. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, that's what I loved about it too. And they're, the uh, basketball didn't do it a lot, but in the hockey bubble, like especially in the East Coast, like their games are starting at noon over there, 9 a.m. over here. It's kind of like watching football all day long on a Sunday. 9 a.m. to 10 p.m., just hockey. Yeah, it was cool. It was awesome. Every game mattered. Every game was a playoff game, and it was just—it was so neat. Twenty fourteen playoff. Uh, I really enjoyed hockey in the in the uh, in the summer here, which was odd, or was it? Yeah, whatever it was. Um, yeah, yeah. It was definitely different. It was so watching odd. Hockey and watching hockey in September. Oh my goodness! And then, <laughs> yeah, September we had a feast. I mean, NFL started, NBA playoffs, uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, you know, 
playoffs and everything. And I mean, we literally, generally we only have it for like a week or so in October, but now we had it for like a month, almost two months where we had all four major sports playing. It was so cool. Yeah. Definitely only used to, what do they call it? The sports equinox. (laughs) They only used to having one of those, uh, one of those a year, but actually had what a few of them, three or four during this whole pandemic seasons. Well, well, I remember the first sport to come back, I think, was, was UFC. And, and they fought in Jacksonville uh, on a Saturday, and they had no fans. But it was the first sporting event we had had in months. And, and I'm not going to lie, Chris. I sat there. I watched all six or seven hours, whatever it was, of a UFC nice. card, which <laughs> I've never done before. Yeah. Uh, I, I watched most of the fight cards, but I watched every single fight because I was so starved for sports. Uh, so that's one thing I'll remember from having this, this sports uh, uh, layoff and then it's this sports purge, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely – I remember watching that first, that first UFC. UFC, I don't think they really ever stopped. They just uh, moved locations. Yeah. I know they created their own little bubble in, uh, in the Middle East at, on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi mm-hmm. and have their own um, – they have their own facility in Vegas. So they're, they're in the process of building their own hotel right now, right next to their facility. It's pretty amazing. So they got, they have their own bubble. It's yeah. I love Dana White. Oh, he, he's fantastic. He, yeah. You want to talk about like leadership, a, a true leader. That's what I think of when I see Dana White. I mean, the way he handles yeah. business. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And he's very generous. I've met him multiple times before he was, you know, the billionaire that he is now. He's always shown fans from any, any, any walk of life, showing the respect and just, just loves the people, loves the fans, always thinks of the fan first. Where did you meet him? Uh, first time I met him was in Las Vegas. Okay. We just cru- uh, walking around or what? Yeah, we were in, my brother and I, my brother, uncle and I were all in town. We used to go to uh, Vegas a lot for fights. Just, you know, the whole, well, not to the actual fight, but the whole week of events leading up to it. Nice. And then you're just, you know, Dana White, a man in the people, just walking around with <laughs> a security guard, with a cameraman, and just, oh, that's it. He's, he was, he's given me personally, like, over thousands of dollars worth of free tickets to fights. Wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is really yeah. cool. He used to do this thing. He used to, before Twitter exploded to what it is now, he used to... If you were in Vegas, he would actually tweet out his location. You know, I'll be at, I'll be at the MGM Sportsbook in ten minutes. I got two hundred tickets to the fights. Come find me. Wow. Stuff like that. And then you're running through a, you're running through a casino. I think at the time I'm maybe sixteen, seventeen. Dude, running I through a casino, trying to find him uh, to get free tickets. I've been to so many yeah UFC events. I, I love the sport. I haven't followed it, followed it as much as I did. What you mentioned earlier, like you, you actually sat down and watched the whole six, seven hours of a, a <laughs> UFC card. I used to do that before. Yeah. I used to do that every, whatever, whatever pay-per-view was on, Amen. I would do that. But not recently, not so much. But yeah, I love, love the sport, love Dana White, love the leadership of the sport, of the company. I, I didn't, I didn't know he did that stuff with the, the free ticket. I got to I got to you know, update my Twitter or something to, to get those notifications. That sounds awesome. Um, you know, Chris, you haven't done that in a few years, but yeah, <laughs> Chris, you're a guy that loves, yeah. 
love so, yeah. sports. You, you love sports. You love the NFL, uh, Major League Baseball. We talked about hockey, uh, the NBA. Uh, but, but while we're kind of talking about fighting, is there anything better? You know, you sound like more of a UFC guy than boxing, but is there anything better than the buildup to a big fight, a Saturday night, primetime, pay-per-view, uh, championship on the line, uh, you know, man versus man. Is there anything better than kind of the buildup to that in sports? Oh, there's not. It's mm-hmm. not. It's, it's, you're looking forward to something. It's not like football where it happens once a week or basketball or baseball. It happens multiple times a week. When there's a huge, whether it's, I love boxing too, but whether it's boxing or MMA, when there's a big fight happening, like everyone's talking about it. Yeah. You're the whole lead up to it. Like it's a month of, of build up to it. And then, <laughs> And everything just crescendos on that Saturday night when two two fires walk into the octagon of the ring and just those uh the ring announcers too. Oh yeah. They, if they don't get you pumped up for that fight, I don't know what else will, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, there's no doubt. I, I love I love sports, I love football, uh, I love all the major sports, but I've gotten into fighting probably the past four or five years and I love it. I can't get enough of it. Uh, it's, it's there for you yeah. year round every weekend. There's something, um, I've spent a lot of pay-per-view money, uh, but I also watch uh, the other stuff, <laughs> the undercards. I, I love it. But when there is a big fight, you know, when your average fans are talking about it or looking forward to it, or people who don't even follow fighting, uh, are showing an interest. That to me is when, you know, Hey, this is a big deal Saturday night. Yeah. Yes, when ESPN is talking about it or Fox Sports is talking about it, so you know it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it's great stuff. No, Stephen A is talking about it. He really doesn't know. <laughs> uh, Stephen A is talking about. It. He really doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to UFC. No, but anyone else? Yeah, Stephen I A. He just rambles, <laughs> rambles. I, I used to really like him. I don't like him as much anymore. I, I do like when he posts videos making fun of the yeah. Dallas Cowboys. That's fun for me. Uh, but yeah, as far as fighting, oh, yeah. I love I, those. Those are great. How about them Cowboys? Uh, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> yep. uh, that is funny. Um, yeah, yeah, fighting is just is just the best. And and, and there's a fight. We're recording on Saturday, uh, the uh, the 28th here. But there's a big fight tonight. I call it big fight, but it's it's two older gentlemen, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., coming out of retirement to fight this exhibition, this eight round. Uh, contest that apparently they're not even going to score and the rounds are going to be two minutes. I was excited about it until I kind of heard some of those things. So what are your thoughts on Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. coming out of retirement tonight? It should be interesting to say Mm -hmm. the least. Uh, (laughs) I remember watching Mike, one of Mike Tyson's final fights here at the house. We, we, We would do the same thing, watch all the fights boxing or UFC but yeah once I saw the rules that came out like no judging uh you can't go for a knockout which I don't know how you really govern that if you're the referee uh they're not going to declare a winner and since it's an exhibition people like me you can't bet on it oh stop really I didn't see I didn't know all this very yeah yeah I found all this out last night that's like the final. I was like, so I was thinking about maybe we will watch it, and then saw all those rules and no. Nah. Oh man! But an interesting thing. Oh, uh, do you remember uh, Nate Robinson, the the basketball player? Yeah, Nate Robinson. He's, he's fighting tonight. Yeah, he's fighting. I forget which one, but he's fighting one of the Paul brothers in the uh-huh. Coleman event. 
Yeah. Which will oh. definitely, I don't, I don't know the rules of that, but I know whichever Paul brother that is, he actually does fight. Like he's been training and he's had a couple of pro fights himself over the last couple of years. I might actually be more interested in that than Mike Tyson and Roy Jones. Yeah. Was, was, it's been 15 years since Mike Tyson's fought in an actual fight. Mm-hmm. And sparring is different from, from fighting. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt. Roy, Roy Jones was actually, uh, yeah, Roy Jones, I believe he was still fighting in, either in 2019 or 2018 as a professional in Russia. Wow. Crazy so, stuff. I think, I don't even know. I don't even say if you can really give a pick of who's going to win if there's really not going to be a winner declared at all. Yeah. I, I it'll, it'll be interesting. I'm not sure if I'm going to watch it or not because uh, it is pay-per-view, but I might. I, you know, Nate Robinson, uh, he's really good at jumping. I don't know how much that's going to help in his, in his boxing game, but should be uh, should be fun time. Yeah, let's see if way. he could take a punch. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Well, well boxing. Oh, definitely will be. Oh, boxing, UFC. I mean, I could talk. I could talk for hours just about that, but let's get into some other topics uh, sports-wise. Chris, you're a Rams fan, which I love and support. You're a uh, you're USC Trojans, L.A. Dodgers, L.A. Lakers, L.A. Kings. What a concept. You, you like all the L.A. teams. I, I know for most people out there, that's all. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> but God bless you, Chris. You, you got your head screwed on straight. I love it. All L.A. teams. What a concept. <laughs> Tell me why you uh, root for all these L.A. teams. Because all their games are on TV here. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I watch. Amen. <laughs> but hey. yeah, well, until t- before 2016, the Rams are in St. Louis. So that's besides that, yeah, just been an LA team, LA fan for life. Yeah. So my dad is, how my brothers are. I think I have, do have a vague memory of, you know, just watching, like being really young and watching a UCLA football game on TV. And I just said out loud, wow, I really like the color of those uniforms. And he probably doesn't remember this, but my older brother, oldest brother, JR, walked through the living room and said, doesn't matter, we're USC fans here. I said, <laughs> okay. And that was it. <laughs> oh, great stuff. Way to go, JR. Uh, that is, that's, that's funny. That's one thing I love about fanhood is that it's generally uh, tied into the family. I mean, uh, my dad took me to Rams games as a kid. Uh, we're a Rams family. Uh, generally, you know, the LA teams and everything. It was hard when they were uh in st louis because i still felt like they were the la rams and part of me never thought they'd come back but i was like i couldn't believe it when they did so uh is that kind of where your rams uh roots come from is is your dad uh, you know your family was la rams fans when they were here not really uh my brother gallo was a niner fan uh jr (laughs) jr he really never really talked about uh, pro football growing up I became a Rams fan because I remember watching them win the Super Bowl in what was it in 2000. Mm-hmm. And I like the color of the, I'm, I'm a simple person. I like the color of the uniforms. So once I saw that, I became a fan. And it wasn't until a few years later, oh, my dad's like, you know, they used to be here, right? I'm like, what do you mean used to be here? Like, yeah, they used to be in LA and then they moved to St. Louis. Like, who would want to leave L.A.? Like, what, what sense does that make? And then just became a fan at that time. And once I started hearing rumors in 2014 and 2015 that they might come back, I was like, oh, nothing better than your favorite football team coming back. Yeah, coming home. 
LA's yeah. first professional sports team returning home. Yeah, all you, all you non-LA fans out there. Uh, yep. You ever notice this, Chris? This is interesting to me. You ever notice Laker, Dodger fans, they're very proud of LA, right? They're like, LA, baby, all LA. But then yeah. when they refer to their favorite football team, you know what I find interesting? They never say the city. They never say this. They're never like, they're always like, oh, I'm a Cowboy fan. Oh, yeah. They never say, oh, I, I, I'm a Dallas fan or, or, or I'm a San Francisco fan. They never say the city. I find that interesting. I wonder why. Maybe it's, you sound stupid. That's just me. I'm a 49 <laughs> and I'm a Raider fan. You know, it's like, come on now. That's just yeah. an observation. That's just something I've seen. Well, for the longest time, there was no pro team in LA. So a lot of people, my, I, honestly, I, besides one other person, I'm the only person my age I know as a Rams fan. Mm-hmm. And I am 26. So that's a whole generation of fans of people who don't have never grew up with a, a local team. Mm-hmm. Games to go to, games to watch, uh, listen to games on the radio or just, you know, being around them. Is Growing up, USC was was the big deal in town. Pete Carroll mm-hmm. came into town and changed everything, like, overnight. Not overnight, but pretty quick. But even – because I remember at me being a Rams season ticket holder, I go to a bunch of different events as well. I never meet anybody that's my age at these events. Everyone yeah. else is closer to my dad's or at least my brother's oldest brother's age or closer to my dad's age. Cause they have the nostalgia of going to Rams games, either at angel stadium or the Coliseum mm-hmm. watching Eric Dickerson running up and down the field, watching Jerome Bettis, his rookie year, killing it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, very a, a variety of of fans definitely yeah. my age in the area well well that was what was cool when i saw them come back was that to see the history to see the families to see that people even though they were 2000 miles away people were still rams fans and then i always say i even say it now yeah the los angeles rams it just sounds better it sounds right i love uh rams football and you know, I, I like what they've done this year so far. A few tough losses, some in games they shouldn't have won or shouldn't have lost, but, yeah. um, you know, what they've been in a few close games as well. Uh, they beat the Buccaneers in Tampa recently. Great win there. Um, what are your thoughts on the Rams? Uh, you know, Sean McVay is a great coach. He, he's, he's built a great culture and everything. He's this offensive, offensive guru, right? But that team currently – is definitely driven by their defense. They have arguably the two best defensive players in the league in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, definitely the best at their positions. And this Los Angeles Rams team, you know, all Hollywood, the Hollywood lights and everything. They're a, they're kind of a, a tough in your face, uh, grind, you know, just a defensive team. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on the Rams who currently sit seven and three and have the Niners coming up on Sunday? Definitely a different team that went 13-3 and three to go to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. a few years ago. But their goal was just to outscore you and hopefully hold on. Even the defense was good, but so there's only so much Aaron Donald could do by himself. <laughs> but this year, yeah, defense is definitely the focal point. I think they are statistically at least like top five overall defense in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely they're, they are creating their own version of a no-fly zone, Darius Williams. I don't know where he came from. But he's a the corner, the opposite of Jalen Ramsey. He's been playing lights out the last few weeks. Uh, Goff, man, just those couple a uh, couple of picks he threw in his last Monday night game is really pretty inexcusable. 
Mm-hmm. He just has to limit his mistakes, run the ball. If you ever watch a game with me, you'll hear me say run the ball probably a million times. <laughs> me being an offensive lineman myself because I love running the ball. But running the ball and playing defense, that's that's how they that's how you succeed in football yeah. at any level. You don't, you don't see me uh, have much hair on my head, and there's a reason for that, Chris, because every single time it's third and one, and I see – well, any team for that matter, but the Rams, third and one, and they're in the shotgun. I about – I rip my, my scalp from pulling hair out. Like, what is going on here? Line up in an 11 for, formation. Let's go. Give, give me some runoff tackle or play action. That's fine. But, man, shotgun empty. You make that third and one and do a third and six. I'm like, come on now. What are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not a fan of that. USC does that a lot, which oh. angers me so much. It's third and one, and they're in the pistol. Well, not even the pistol. Just they're in their their uh, what do they call it? The air raid. Air. The air raid, which I it's uh I think I remember journalists asking Clay Hilton and Graham Harrell, the SC uh, OC, last week, like why don't you ever go under center? And they said, that's not us. I heard like, you, you say this. That's, I heard you say this on the podcast. Yeah, I heard you say this on the podcast. I'm like, what? Yeah. What do you mean? I hate that. Oh, that's not us. Yeah, or he's not yeah. used to doing that. Was it used to doing that? Like, yeah. What, what, what do you that's mean? The first thing isn't I? I wasn't a quarterback, but I'm pretty sure it's one of the first things they teach you when you're a quarterback, <laughs> taking the the snap exchange. I mean, they take but. a knee with a shotgun, which I'm like, this looks stupid. They they, they do everything in that shotgun. I'm like, dude, when you're on the goal line. You got to you got to have a double tight end uh, under center, you know, run, run formation. Uh, you can't spread everything out all the time, much like a team who runs the ball a lot. Like uh, I would say Navy or, you know, the service academies, there comes a time when you have to go five wide and throw the ball too. Like you can't yeah. just be so committed to something that you don't do anything else. And that drives me crazy. That, let's talk about SC football. Uh, their game was canceled today. Unfortunately, uh, yeah. they're off to a three and zero start, but now they only got two games remaining. Two games left. Yeah. Uh, I don't see any route for them to the playoff. So does Clay Heldon, Clay Heldon is look at, I hate to say it, but with, with only a five game season. Now, the fact that they're three and zero, Clay Heldon uh, is guaranteed a winning season. <laughs> does, does he, keep his job at the end of this season or do you see it going another way uh, I see him keeping his job because they're not playing anyone outside the Pac-12 yeah <laughs> I, yeah I've not been a fan of Clay Hillen at all since he took over just the whole you know Lin Swan is AD giving him an extension after you know one good year and then on top of that extension a, a fat buyout if he ever does get fired which the school is not going to pay right now with, you know, 50 other scandals going on at once. Yeah. Hiring, yeah, definitely. Hiring the, you hire the interim coach that did, did, did okay, quite honestly. But you know mm-hmm. what? There was another pretty decent interim coach right before him that they chose to not keep uh, because he wasn't L.A. enough or whatever. And now he's uh, all he's done is win a national championship down in Louisiana. Uh, having a tough year this year, but that happens without, you know. That happens when half your team gets drafted. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it also uh, happens when half your team gets drafted in the first round too. Yeah, yeah no kidding. <laughs> no, that's, that's what that's what makes that's what that's what uh, made Pete Carroll and that's what makes Nick Saban so great now. Like all the talent that they lose in one year, they just reload. That's it. That and is they have it, the man. they have the they reload and they have the right coaching around the kids. That's yeah. a, that's one thing I don't like about Clay Helm is the people he brings in to do the jobs of coaching like he hired t martin 
was never called to play in his life as offensive coordinator yeah, at I, USC a couple ne- years ago. It never fit. It never seemed to fit. And, and, and here is my theory, Chris. You talk about USC. To me, there is a bunch of, I'm going to call them pretend programs out there. I'm not talking about teams that are having good seasons or teams that are every now and then. Are, I'm talking about the blue bloods of college football, those names. Uh, but currently – to me, they're just, they're like pretend programs. They're like, they're, they're just fancy in name and they almost depend on that. And I could go down a huge list here. Uh, USC, Michigan, Penn State, even though uh, P- Penn State got their first win today over, over Michigan, which is interesting, but you know, they're just, pre- they're just pretenders. It's not like you just don't think they're that committed. They, they usually are, but they, I don't, they just, they baffle me. I'm like, you're pretending that you're this big, uh, you know, top level program. And you're fake. You're just a pretender. You're not Alabama. You're not uh, Clemson. Even Notre Dame, I'll give them credit. They've been consistent. I hate saying it. Ohio State, these teams are always in the mix. But other programs, they're just like, oh, we, this, these are our team colors. This is our school. We're going to be good in football. No. Yeah. And, I, and I think USC falls into that category. Yep. Yeah, most recently they have. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, Pete Carroll spoiled us. I know that. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> me, me growing me growing up in the two thousands, Pete Carroll spoiled us. That's why we have so high expectations for USC. It's just they never, it doesn't pan out. But it brought always, people- always that always that one stupid like road weekday loss, a Friday night in Corvallis, yeah, a Thursday night in at the at the Palouse, you know, things like that. Yeah, I, always I think get some. Pete, they brought back to tradition because there was this long stretch of USC football where it was in shambles. Sure, they'd maybe hit a Rose Bowl here and there, but they were just, they didn't have that national championship consistent Rose Bowl appearance that they did and maybe in years past. And then Pete Carroll came in, they had a great era there, a great run. And yeah, it spoiled everyone. I mean, every anytime they lost a game, it was breaking news. You know, yeah. it was it was a big deal. And so I just, I'd like to see that tradition back. And I think so many teams like Michigan and Penn State, they, 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 they lean on tradition, but it's like, you can't just lean on that. You've got to, at some point, adapt, uh, have an identity. You've got to do something right instead of just waving, waving the team flag. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's definitely a culture change that they need over there from the top down, not just Clay on this, this the AD, Mike Bond. Like they, they pay all the money to bring him in. But he doesn't make a decision on the head coach. He he stays with the head coach. Like that made no sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I think things will change here soon. But I think um, at this point, all, all the Trojans really can play for that is maybe a Pac-12 title. But they got to beat UCLA. I mean, they have to beat UCLA. There's no there's no if ands or buts about it. They have to do that. And yeah. uh, you know, since you're not playing many games, I I just don't know what to make of this college football season. I'm a little angry at the Pac-12 and the Big Ten for that matter for their delay in play but uh you know what we're still gonna it's saturday we're still gonna watch football any chance we get because before you know it it'll be gone yes and we're already gonna be december next week season's about the end of the month (laughs) i know well let me let me ask you chris about two other sports um the los angeles dodgers los angeles lakers uh two championships recently uh that were won respectively by each one i know you're much more of a baseball guy than maybe basketball but Pretty cool stuff, isn't it, to see the Lakers and the Dodgers win, not only in the same year, but, I mean, we're talking weeks apart from each other. Yeah. Uh, I, I know that 
you celebrated the Dodger win <laughs> a little bit more. Uh, what's the word? A little bit more aggressively than the Lakers win. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. I saw some champagne uh, celebration, and then I also saw a pretty awesome picture of you. Look like in downtown LA with a big time Dodger flag. What can you tell me about that night celebrating the Dodger victory peacefully, of course? Oh, of course, peacefully, you know, socially distanced, wearing a mask, everything. <laughs> we were doing what we were supposed to. But <laughs> yeah, though, uh, Javier and I and Zach would always joke, you know, when the Dodgers win the World Series, we have to do a clubhouse celebration. Like we have to, yeah. especially now that the players, you know, apparently weren't allowed to do it themselves. Like we got to do it. So yeah, we earlier that day, we just, we knew, we didn't say we knew it was going to happen. We had a really good feeling about it. We went out, bought some cigars, bought some bottles of champagne. And it just, once it happened, it was like relief. Because after all the, all of these years of, I'm only 26 and other people have been living through it longer than I have. But it's just the last, uh, probably like the last 15 years watching Dodger baseball. It's just heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak. And finally, it just happens. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was incredible. So surreal. And then, yeah, we, the, our original plan after, you know, doing our little champagne showers and smoking cigars was to just go to, just go to Dick's Sporting Goods on West Covina to, 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 to try and buy some gear. But when we pulled up, there was probably, I want to say at least a thousand people in line. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know whoever's or the listeners out there who have been to this specific Dicks in West Covina at the Eastern Mall. Yeah, the line went all the way from in front of the store down past the Walmart. Oh, turn turn and turn that corner. And once we saw that, we're like, this ain't happening. No. And then Zach just said, you know, we stay in the truck. We can go to downtown, see how that's going, because we saw we remember the watching the Lakers celebrate and people going out there and and uh, just a mass of humanity just hanging out celebrating <laughs> so, yeah, let's go check it out so we went down there uh drove around for a little bit there were a ton of people you know just walking around with their own champagne bottles just screaming out oh, let's go dodgers walking down the street but we finally got into the into the mess of it all i forget specifically where we were but yeah we parked a truck and just walked around and just people just going crazy people doing donuts in the inter in the in the intersection and I just happened to grab uh, Zach's flagpole and the Dodger flag that he had in the truck. So I'm walking around with that. And next thing I know, Javier and Zach are behind me. And I just go, hey, Javier, take my picture real quick. I hand in my phone. And then, like, perfect, boom, fireworks go off right behind me. If you've seen the picture on, I'll send it to you so you can post it later yeah. for, this, for this episode. That's definitely. So, yeah, just the perfect timing of me just holding the, the Dodger flag and fireworks going off behind me. People just celebrating on the street. It was pretty special to watch, pretty special to be a part of. Oh, man, that, that is really cool. It's a great photo. It almost looked professionally done, like you had someone following you or something. Uh, the timing of it was, was spectacular. So, yeah, uh, well, well, huge, huge uh, win for L.A. Uh, in, in baseball and basketball. You know what? Uh, honestly, I think it's the Rams' turn. Let's just make it a trifecta. Uh, oh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> trifecta parlay uh, all la uh, championship uh would be would be pretty awesome so i do think it's their turn uh and i hope they can piece it together here and and make it happen so um well, well chris let me just kind of get you since 
NFL is, you know, king. Let me get your overall thoughts on just the NFL uh, as we kind of wrap it up here. Um, I think they always talk about football after Thanksgiving, right? And how that's when, that's when it really matters. That's when teams separate themselves, uh, the playoff chase. Uh, most teams are, are 10 games in. There's a couple with 11 games in. You kind of know the situation here, right? And, yeah. and, and uh, you know, the AFC, I, I, don't, I think the two best teams hands down are Kansas City and Pittsburgh. The NFC to me is a lot more up for grabs. The Saints and the Rams are, as of now, the top two teams, but I think a lot of that will change. I really do. Uh, we know the NFC East is terrible. Other than that, the <laughs> NFC is pretty open, isn't it? Oh, it definitely is. Especially with the added uh, playoff spot. You could definitely see the NFC West getting three teams mm-hmm. in the postseason. And with the Saints, with uh, the uncertainty at quarterback, with Drew Brees, you know, practically breaking every rib in his body. That's crazy. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen with them this this final stretch, uh, whether it's going to be Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. And I really hope the Rams win the NFC West so they don't have to travel for a playoff game. Mm-hmm. That's, what I've, that's what I've been telling uh, Javier and Zach. Like, the thing that's pissing me off the most with the NFC East is if you don't win your division, you're going to have to travel. These, one of these teams is going to host a playoff game all on the East Coast. In January. In January. Going to be cold. cold. So, yeah. yeah. No, unless I, I you're would... Seattle, unless you're Seattle, who's built for that weather somewhat, it's going to be tough for whoever goes over there. Oh, no doubt. And the yeah. Rams have gone to Washington. They've gone to Philly. They've they've gone there and won those games. They beat the Giants already, uh, and and the Cowboys already at home. The Rams have swept the NFC East. But if they had to go to one of those teams for a playoff game, like you said, in January, it's a coin flip. It really is. The Rams might be the yeah. better team, but playoff football has shown us that crazy things can happen. So yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. I like division play. I like the fact that division winners do get in. Um, but, but I don't know about the whole hosting a playoff game thing. I think that should just be the top four records. What do you think? Top three records. No, I'm, I'm good with uh, the division winner hosting. It's, it's some type of the reward for, there's nothing they can do about the competition in their, in their division. It's like the the Patriots last twenty years. Like it's not their <laughs> fault. Every other team has sucked. Yeah, <laughs> and they just kept winning, and they're hosting all these games. It's just at the NFC East, man. It was first place team has four wins. Yeah, I think the the Washington Football Team, as of right now, has is in first place. I'm extremely offended by their name. That the fact that they call themselves a football team is uh, is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> That's very offensive to me. Uh, but anyway, uh, if you can give me your prediction for the final four, who will be playing? Uh, to me, it's the best Sunday of the year. It's the app, the, the the AFC NFC championship. I like it better championship than championship Sunday. Oh, I like it better than the Super Bowl. Two games, yeah. two games. Yeah. The final four of football. Who do you see in your crystal ball, uh, Senior Locks? here in uh in in late november what do you th- who do you think are the final four teams standing uh, in late january i the afc definitely i don't see anybody stopping pittsburgh right now they're just they're getting into their own groove uh michael claypool stepping up big time at the receiver group you know juju is getting hurt i think he got hurt in the last game or the game before so he's been the workload for him has been a little less so definitely the steelers and their defense is Pretty good, <laughs> but that's what you expect from a Steelers team. Mm-hmm. 
So I definitely see the Steelers and the Chiefs in the AFC Championship and the NFC biasly choosing the Rams. Mm-hmm. Rams and if not the Saints, I can see the Seahawks. I don't know if the Hollywood would work out, but definitely the Seahawks do not overlook them at all. A Pete no. Carroll-led team with Russell Wilson. With If he was on any other team, <laughs> I would love him as a quarterback. <laughs> Yeah, but just the fact that of it, just the fact that he's Seattle and he's just good. It's like there's so many times I'm watching them play. I'm like, how does he do that? How does he always find Tyler Lockett wide open, 40 yards downfield, and he's making plays after plays? I agree with you. Um, yeah, it's it's tough not to to pick uh, the top two teams in the AFC right now. Uh, I, I I think the Rams are hitting their stride well. They got a tough tough stretch schedule down the stretch here. Still got to play Arizona twice, Seattle again, and uh, the Niners on Sunday. Uh, but yeah. then they, they also play the Patriots and Jets, which is uh, hopefully a couple Ws. Um, I, I do think the Rams, especially if they get that, that one or the two seed, they could stay home in sunny, sunny Southern California, uh, piece together some wins. I, I think truly, I really do believe they can get there. Um, as far as the Saints, I don't know. With Drew Brees out, I think things don't quite work out for them. And I don't know. I, I could see if Tom Brady gets in the playoffs, mm-hmm. I really do. I think Tampa Bay goes on a little run. It's just a hunch I have. And I, I could see yeah. uh, Tampa Bay at the Rams in the NFC championship game. Uh, and, and I would pray to the football gods, the Rams could finally beat Tom Brady in a postseason game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we saw it last week, but that's not the postseason. So uh, anyway, so I'm kind of right there with you as far as predictions go. Um, we did have some NFL breaking news today that the Detroit Lions fired Matt Patricia uh, two days after their Thanksgiving loss. So I think everyone saw that coming, but uh, to do it during the holidays, man, that's got to be tough. Poor, poor, poor Matt Patricia, man. And, and poor Lions. I don't know how you're a Lions fan and, and, <laughs> and all these years. Crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. I saw that this morning too. Patricia and the GM were both let go, which was – it was going to happen eventually, mm-hmm. I believe. No. I don't think they should have fired Jim Caldwell to begin with. He was <laughs> yeah. he was actually a pretty good coach. And then you bring in, just because he's been uh, Bill Belichick's assistant the last however many years, doesn't mean he's going to be a successful head coach. There's Definitely. only a few of those guys who have, who have left that coaching tree to become successful on their own. Even then, that's, you can consider Bill O'Brien like that. But, Amen. you know, where is he now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Chris, I could talk sports with you all day, but, uh, you know, we got to also go watch some sports right now. I mean, we got some, <laughs> a few sporting events, nothing quite like uh, NFL Sunday, but I appreciate you uh, taking the time to record with me. And I'll tell you what, if the Rams do get in the playoffs and they, they make a playoff run, I want to put together a podcast really with just like multiple Rams fans since there's also, there are also a few of us and, and yeah. just kind of talk Rams football, Rams playoff preview, if you will. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun, uh, especially from the likes of yourself, Mr. Senior Locks. <laughs> well, definitely we got to do that. I know me, I was in a season take holder the last five years for the Rams, so I know a lot of level-headed Rams fans. I do know, also know some other Rams fans who are, you know, talking 2016 like they were, you know, one of the best teams in the league. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I know I, what, yeah. I got to run into you and Javier a couple different times at a few different Rams games over the years. That was fun. Random, yeah. random stuff. 
Yeah, it was <laughs> San Diego, right? It was actually I saw that Instagram archive earlier this week it was six yeah. years ago. Oh my that we, goodness! That we hung out in San Diego. Yeah, San Diego. That was a <laughs> fun Qualcomm. time. Qualcomm. Yeah. Oh man, that place never Which again. They're about to tear that down pretty soon too. Oh good, it's not soon enough because <laughs> that stadium yeah. so bad. Twenty Traffic. years too late. Oh yeah. Oh man. Well, we'll go Rams, Chris. I appreciate your time. Uh, I hope they can piece it together. Um, USC football, hopefully, you know, brighter days ahead and Hey, Lakers and Dodgers win a championship. It's not a bad time to be an LA sports fan. It is not. Just hope the Rams can do their part and give us that, uh, that third crown this year. That would be amazing. And, uh, I want to, I want to say, the Los Angeles Rams are Super Bowl champs someday. It may be years from now. I'm hoping it's this year, and we'll see what happens. So, Chris, give my best to your, your parents. Uh, it's been a long time. Uh, your entire family. I mean, it was great catching up with you, man, and uh, all the best moving forward. Congrats on, on, on the podcast. I'll continue to keep listening and uh, plugging you guys every chance I get. Um, give my best to Zach and Javier. And just, yeah, it was great catching up, man. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun doing this. Thank you for having me. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Chris Calderon, for joining us on the program. It was a lot of fun talking about the Pro and Con podcast, talking about the L.A. Rams, L.A. Dodgers, some fighting. I mean, all kinds of good stuff. I wish you nothing but the best. Please give my best to your family, the Calderon family, special group of people. Haven't seen many of them in a long time, but uh, some good memories and uh, definitely a, a great group of people that, that uh, you know, is from Real Hondo Prep and Care Youth League and just a very giving giving group. And, uh, yes, like I said, Merry Christmas to all, Chris. Uh, you know, give them my best and uh, all our best here from the Get Home Safe podcast. Thanks for coming on. That was a blast. Well, guys, that will wrap up this week of episodes on the Get Home Safe podcast as we put out shows Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We're going into the weekend here, a fun-filled sports weekend. College football is wrapping up shortly, at least within a couple weeks here. Uh, the NFL, it always, they always say uh, football starts after Thanksgiving, so they're in full swing and kind of uh, on the, the home stretch, if you will, with who will be a playoff team, who, will, who is a, a pretender, and uh, lots to talk about on Monday as we come back with a sports recap show. That's the plan for next week, and uh, we will be back for shows all of next week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, of course, with another guest on Friday, but the sports recap on Monday, Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in, and then a guest on Friday. That is the plan for now. Thanks to all of you for joining us today, or whenever you're listening to this podcast as always there's plenty of ways to follow the get home safe podcast our twitter handle is get home safe pod our facebook and instagram page is get home safe podcast and our email address is get home safe podcast at yahoo.com we would love to hear from you so shoot us an email with a content suggestion maybe a question or two uh, or if you just want to vent about your favorite sports team uh whatever any topic out there throw it at us we'll see if we can talk about it on the show if you want to have your voice heard you can also leave a voice message there are some links in the episode notes uh, as well as some other information regarding the podcast so thank you all for the support it is friday morning i have to rush off to work these packages are not going to get out to uh civilians from the north pole by themselves there's lots to do and guys i appreciate all of you for tuning in for the tremendous support the total listens the uh, estimated audience, it, it continues to grow. And that's a great tribute to you guys out there for taking the time out of your busy schedules to push play on the Get Home Safe podcast episodes. 
just a tremendous honor that I know so many of you uh, continue to listen every single week. So I'm working hard for you. See if we can get some better content, maybe some better uh, morning information too, as far as my intros. Sorry, I feel like I've just been rambling a little bit, uh, but rambling's okay at times, much like right now, because the show is coming to an end. So guys, uh, again, thanks again. Chris Calderon, great episode. A lot of fun catching up with you. Guys, happy Friday. Have a great weekend. And guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. Thank you.